Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. How are we all? Are we well? Good. We're a small little group of us here today, but we're still going to worship God. Amen. We're still going to honor his word. Amen. So Pastor Mel and Jacob are still away, and we will be seeing Pastor Jacob next Sunday, so we can't wait for that. So we are in our series, Everyday Worship. Who was here last week? Who got to hear Pastor Chinyama's awesome message? So Pastor Chinyama kicked us off last week, and he explained that worship is from the heart. Worship comes from the heart, so it transcends geographical location, and it should be a part of our everyday. We're talking about how worshipping God can be a part of the everyday experience, the everyday settings of our lives. Because who knows we experience God differently based on what's happening around us in our lives. When we're on the mountaintops, <laughs> it's great. We can enjoy the blessings and the favor of God. We feel that God's close to us. God's, his praise is on our, our lips. It's falling out of our mouths. We are enjoying God. When we're in the wilderness season of our life, when we're in the time of waiting on God, he often draws us close to him. There's a time of leaning in where he's drawing us deeper into a relationship of intimacy with him. But today what I want to talk about is experiencing and worshipping God in the storms of our lives. How do we continue to experience and worship God when we're in the storm of life? And I say storms as a metaphor for something big, something hard, something painful, something challenging that's going on in our lives. And why is this important? Why do we need to speak about this? Why do we need to learn about this? Well, as some, uh, some of you may already be too familiar with, storms are a part of the everyday experience of our lives. We're going to experience a storm. As sure as the sun will set in the morning, a storm is going to come into our life. You might be familiar with the, this saying, which, which can be slightly discouraging, but nevertheless it's true, you're either in a storm, um, you're just coming out of a storm, or there's a storm waiting around the corner. In other words, life can get painful, life can get hard, and it can be difficult to get out of bed in the morning some days, let alone experience and worship God. Wow, that's not an amen moment, is it folks? <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. I bet you're glad you showed up this morning, hey? But it's important for us. It's important for us to be aware of this. Because who knows, storms can come quickly and without warning. You know, in the natural, the people that live in these hurricane-prone areas is a, a place in America called Hurricane Valley, and they prepare naturally for the storms of life. And I think, guys, as Christians, it's good for us to prepare spiritually for the storms of life that are going to hit us because they come quickly, and they can come without warning. Oftentimes, we're not led into a storm gently. Oftentimes, boom, they just come. It could be a phone call. It could be a conversation. It could be a wrong turn, a freak accident. And all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, our world, our life looks completely different. How do we keep standing in these storms? How do we keep our house upright? How do we not let, let our faith and what we believe in be shaken out of us during these times? Jesus says in John 16, For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have 
conquered the world. So phew, there's an encouragement today, guys. You can relax, phew. We don't need to despair because there is a way for us to continue experiencing God in the storms. Do you know what I've always found interesting about the, the storms in the natural? Is that the eye of the storm, the center of the storm, the point at which the whole storm converges around, is the most peaceful part of the storm, is the, is the part that's most at rest. And that's because the strong surface winds that are conveying around it never actually get to reach into it. They can't reach into the eye of the storm. Do you know there's a place in our storms where we can remain unreachable from destruction? There's a place where we can anchor ourselves. There's a place where we can find calm and peace. And guys, it's not called the eye of the storm. His name is Jesus Christ and it's to be found in him. You know, another interesting fact about storms, and, and this is the fun fact part of the sermon, in case you guys are wondering what's going on. Another interesting fact about storms, and it might be slightly disturbing to you, but we name killer storms after people. <laughs> Have you ever wondered about that? And in particular, women. <laughs> we have Storm Laura recently in Haiti. Storm Bertha, just gone in California. Hurricane Paulette in Bermuda. I don't know how you feel about this, ladies. Can you imagine your husband coming home? Oh, darling, I've just, you know, that killer storm that raged for a village and left destruction in its way. Yeah, I named that after you, sweetheart. It reminded me of you. <laughs> Thanks, hon. That's lovely. But, you know, for years, this wasn't the case. For years, storms were named after the geographical location. But it was in the 1950s that the U.S. I googled this, by the way. I don't just have this trivia in my head. It was in the 1950s that the U a U.S. Me meteorologist began naming storms after their wives and their girlfriends. <laughs> but luckily, this practice ended. <laughs> there may have been a few divorces over it, I'm not sure. But luckily, this practice ended, and I think it was around the 1970s. Storms were named after both men and women. Hooray! Equal rights for storms. Amen? But storms are named to identify them. And perhaps you're going through a storm at the moment that you can name. Perhaps you're going through a storm you can identify. For me and my family, it's a storm of grief. It's a storm of loss. My brother died in July, just gone six months ago. He left behind a wife and a three-year-old. The storm raged through our life. In the blink of an eye, our world looks different. And for the past six months, we've been learning what it means to keep standing in the storm. We've been learning what it means to plant our feet firmly on Jesus Christ so we're not blown over. And this could be the same for you. Perhaps your storm is grief. Perhaps yours is a storm of divorce. Perhaps it's depression, sickness, loneliness financial difficulties, whatever it is, we, we've all been through things in life that we can put a name to, that we can identify. They're part of the everyday setting of our lives. And what do we do in the middle of a storm? What do we do when the pain hits? Because the pain's real, guys. What do we do? How do we begin 
and continue to experience and worship our God when we're bent over in pain and despair. You know, unfortunately, what can happen is people can get angry at God. People can begin to blame God and turn away from God and question his goodness, question his faithfulness, or even worse, question if God still loves them. Does God still love me? But I want us, I want to try and etch something in your heart today. I want to try and sink something deep into your heart that you can never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. You can never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. We have the same reasons to worship God in the storm than as we do on the mountaintops. I'm trying with this mic here, guys. Someone's told me I'm loud. I don't believe them. (laughs) Keep the mic down. What do we do? What, te- what book, what can we look to in the Bible? Well, what book is better to teach us in the Bible than this, the collection of songs and poetry and prayers that we find in the book of Psalms? It is full of the cries of human despair, but the praise of the provider and the comforter. And we're going to look at the Psalm of David today, Psalm 57, a man who could articulate so well the peaks and the lows of human experience. And this psalm was written when King David was pursuing, um, King Saul, sorry, was pursuing David to kill him. And David, um, to escape his pursuer, ran into a cave and hid from him. But just randomly, um, King Saul followed him in there. Some translations tell us it was to relieve himself. Some translations tell us it was for a rest. Whatever his business, Saul walked in to the cave after King David, where David was hiding. And you can read the background of that story in 1 Samuel 24. So let's read Psalm 57. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, let's read it together. It's so good to get your eyes on the words. It will be on the screen as well. Let's follow it together. We're going to read the whole psalm, guys. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. Awake the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love, reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaching to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What a beautiful psalm. And you know, this psalm can be broken down into two parts. There's a prayer, verse 1 to 6, and then there's praise, verse 7 to 11. So here is David in the the middle of this very real storm. 
a very real threat to his life. If he's hiding in the same cave as a man who wants to kill him, and not just any man, this man is king of a nation, King Saul. He's got 3,000 men behind him that are willing to do whatever he says, act on any command that he gives. Things are tense. This is real. One sneeze, one cough, one wrong move. It could all be over for David. The storm, let's say, is in full momentum. And David begins to cry out to God. In the middle of his storm, he begins to cry out to God in prayer. He begins to give the fear, the pain, the tension, the anxiety, the despair, the brokenness. He gives it over to God in prayer. He cries to his God. May we never overlook the power and the gift of prayer that we've been given. May we never, guys, take casually that we can enter the throne room of grace to help us in our time of need. May us never overlook the power and the gift of prayer. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. He is with us, and he wants us to cry out to him in prayer. You know what I think is, is important just to highlight here first off is David cries to God. Do you know it's important to recognize how we're feeling? It's important to recognize what we're going through when life gets difficult. You know, I know that all too well with losing my brother this year. Things get hard and you have to recognize, you have to process your emotions. And if we don't, if we don't bring our brokenness to God, if we don't bring our true selves to God, then there's two things that can happen. We hide our emotions. We pretend everything's all right. And they embitter us. And we slowly turn away from God. We keep hold of them. We keep hold of the anger. And we begin to turn away from God. Or we'll hide our emotions and, and let our hurts and our sorrows define us. We'll let them define us. They'll become our primary identity. We don't need to deny how we feel him. David cried out to God. Jesus cried out to God. It's important to process what we're going through as long as we're processing it before God and in the presence of God and in the light of who God is. This is what David does. He cries out in prayer to God. Have mercy on me, my God. I cry out to God. He releases it. He gives it over to God in prayer. And then what happens, what we can see happening in this psalm is he has space to remember the goodness of his God. He begins to, to declare it. He begins to remind himself, begins to tell himself about who God is and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And then what you see happens, worship slow, shortly follows after that. True prayer always turns to praise. Despite the name of the storm we're going through, when we cry out to God in prayer, when we give the pain over to God, when we focus on God despite the circumstances, when we remember his living word and not our difficulties, our hope is raised, our faith is raised, our hearts and minds are aligned with the Holy Spirit once again and praise begins to bubble up and erupt from within inside of us. Eugene Peterson in his book on the Psalms says, all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Any true prayer, no matter how desperate its origins, no matter how angry and fearful the experiences it traverses, it ends up in praise. Praise is the goal at which all the psalm prayers arrive at after their travels through the unmapped back countries of fear, doubt, and trouble. 
Charles Spurgeon says, the hunted one takes a long, deep breath of prayer, and when he is fully inspired, he breathes out his soul in jubilant song. Worship isn't a byproduct of everything being okay in our lives, because if you base your worship on that, your worship life's going to be very hit and miss. It's certainly not going to be a lifestyle. Worship comes from knowing in your heart who God is and trusting that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do and he is for you. We worship God, not because our circumstances don't remain unchanged, but because he remains the unchanging one. We worship God because when all earthly hope has gone, he remains our living hope. We worship God because when we're too broken to get out of bed, he will lift the weary. We worship God because when we can't find the way, he remains the way maker. Despite the seasons of life, despite what we go through, despite what David went through, he was always able, just like Jesus, to keep his eyes firmly fixed on the eternal one who remains unchanging. When all else changes, God never changes. 2 Corinthians 4.8 So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't ever allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. We have the same reasons to worship God in the valley than we do on the mountaintops. After crying out to God in prayer, David remembers who God is. And I think there's some vital things in this psalm that we too can remember the next time we go through our storm. Verse 1, he says, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. God is our refuge. Can we remember that today? God is our refuge. Psalm 46 one says, God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in times of trouble. In times of trouble, David knows God is the one who's going to give him his comfort, his peace, and he's going to give him what he needs. You know, I think all too often what we do is when we're going through a difficult time, we put these unrealistic expectations on the people around us to try and give us what only God can give our hearts. You know, like little birds in the natural, they hide under the parental wing. When my little three-year-old gets scared, she runs and she hides behind my legs. Or she'll jump into my arms and bury her head in my armpit. (laughs) You know why? Because she, she feels safe there. And she trusts that I'll protect her. And how much more should we run to our heavenly Father and hide our face in his arms and hide under his wings? How much more should we trust that our Father will protect us and keep us safe? His wings of love and faithfulness. Psalm 91.4, the Passion Translation says it like this. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. And David says this is where he's going to go, in particular, while the storm is raging. Not after, he's going to go there while the storm is raging. This is the place he can go to his refuge. You know, there's a place where we can go to in a storm. A place where we can remain unreachable from destruction. A place that's at rest. A place 
that's peaceful. And it's not called the eye of the storm. It's called Jesus Christ and his arms of love and faithfulness. When we encounter times of trouble, guys, instead of firstly exhausting all earthly help, let's go straight to the source of love. Let's go straight to the source of comfort. Let's go straight to the source of hope, straight to the source of strength, straight to the source of joy. That's where David ran. And he was persuaded that God would cover him with his wings of love and faithfulness and we should be persuaded too so what else did david focus on in this prayer he sends from heaven and saves me rebuking those who hotly pursue me god sends forth his love and faithfulness god will send help from heaven i just love that amen god will send help from heaven it's god who helps us fight our battles when no earthly help can help us When there's nobody left here to help us, God will send help from heaven. It's God's divine help that helps us when no one else can, in a way that no one else can. And you know what I notice in this psalm is David's complete confidence and faith and belief in his God. God will send help from heaven. God will send forth his love and faithfulness. He's in no doubt. He's not wondering. He's not unsure. He's not wobbling on that rock. His feet are firmly on that rock. He will send forth his help. He's not abandoned me. He's not forsaken me. He declares the promises of God with confidence in prayer during the storm. Not when the storm has passed, not when it's all over, not when we're back on the mountaintops. During the storm. I know God will send help. It's God that delivers me from my enemies. It's God who comforts and protects me. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. And David begins to build himself up in faith. He begins to strengthen himself, declaring the confidence of uh, the promises of God with conviction. And what does this do? What does this do for him? What do we see in the psalm? It begins to focus his heart on God. It begins to focus his heart on the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God and it fixes his heart, it strengthens his heart, it strengthens our internal man and opens our heart up to God in the middle of our storms. Verse 7, my heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Now we notice the shift in the psalm from prayer to praise. Awake my soul, awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. When our hearts are open in the presence of God, when our hearts are awake and alive with the promises of God, during our storm, worship is the only outcome. Worry is turned to worship, fear into faith. God gets the glory and you get the peace. So next time, guys, next time we find ourselves in the storms of life or perhaps we're in one right now and we can start putting this into practice, cry out to him in prayer. Give the pain over to God as often as you need to. Remember, it's okay to process what we're going through as long as we're processing it before God and in the presence of God and in the light of who God is. Declare his promises and his goodness with confidence and allow your heart to become strengthened in the storm. Allow your heart to become awake with the presence of God in the storm. You know, today is a particularly difficult day for me. 
Today is my brother's birthday. And it's the first time I won't get to see him or speak to him on his birthday. And the pain's real, guys. The sadness is real. I'm in the cave. I'm telling you, I'm in the cave and grief and sorrow is pursuing me. But if I turn away from God in anger, if I allow God to go out of focus, then, then grief and sadness will engulf me. I must fight the temptation not to be lazy when it comes to God. I must be determined to run to God first so I can begin to declare his goodness to me with confidence. I declare that he is the resurrection life. I declare he is the way, the truth, and the life. I declare that because he lives, we will also live. And I will see my brother again in heaven. We will be together in paradise for eternity. And what happens when my heart is strengthened in this moment? Praise erupts. And it's in this moment of worship and praise that God can bring healing and restoration and wholeness. All prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the people. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaching to the skies. There's a way to worship God in the middle of our storms. And God shows us exactly how to through this example of David. And I'm not saying it's easy. Believe me, I know. I'm not saying it's easy. I know the pain's real. But what I'm hopefully trying to remind you of today is we have a Savior who's real. And we have a Savior who is bigger than our pain. We have a Savior who can take our pain and work with our pain and do something with our pain and continue to accomplish his purpose in our lives. The worst thing we can do in the middle of a storm is shut ourselves off to God is shut ourselves off to the living hope. It'd be like throwing your life jacket away. Now imagine if we followed the example of David. Let's be prepared. Let's be prepared. Let's not be taken off guard when storms come. The Bible says, don't be surprised when we experience fiery trials. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't doubt God's love for us. Let's prepare ourselves. Imagine if we develop like David, a strong internal man, that whatever happens with the externals, our house can remain standing. When the storm rages through, our house will remain standing. You know, there's hope in Jesus Christ for whatever it is you're facing today. There's hope and there's a way in Jesus Christ. We can be a people whose souls and hearts find joy and worship despite what we might be experiencing. I might just get you up, guys. I'm going to finish shortly. There's hope in Jesus Christ for whatever it is you're facing. We can be a people that find joy every time, that worship every day because our hearts have come to know him. Our hearts know the eternal one. Our hearts trust him. Trust he says who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do for you. Not for just the people in the Bible, for you. And what's going on in your life? He's a personal saviour, guys. A very personal saviour. You know the storms are going to come. That's a fact. They're going to come. But you know we don't have to fear the storms. We don't have to fear them. 
We don't have to fear the future. What's going to happen in the future? How will I cope? We don't have to fear the future. Why? Because we've found that place. We've found that place. We've found that place in the storm where we can remain untouchable from destruction. We've found that place in the storm we can remain at peace. We've found the place in the storm we can remain hopeful. We've found the place in the storm where we can have joy and strength. And it's not called the eye of the storm. It's called the arms of the love and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And we can, we can worship him in the everyday setting of our life. Despite what we're going through. Despite how our world changes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray for us, if that's all right. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you tell us in this world we will experience trouble, but you have overcome the world for us, Father. You are our tower of strength. You are our hiding place, our refuge. We can always run to you. Your arms are open, your arms of love, and we can run into those arms. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your presence here in this place. Thank you for your presence touching hearts right now and bringing healing where healing needs to be brought. Thank you, Father God, that you wrap your arms around us and you never let us go. Thank you, Father. And if you've not called out to God yet, if you haven't cried out to God, if God isn't in your life yet as your Lord and Savior, then please repeat this prayer after me and we'll all repeat it together as a church. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart. I thank you, Father. And I choose to make you Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please come and see me. We have resources, and I want to get some resources into your hands. You're not on this journey alone. You're really not. Come and see me. Now, guys, what I want to do is, we have any time left? We have a couple of minutes left. The worship team are just going to sing us a little song. I really want to encourage anyone, if they need prayer, guys, if you're in the middle of a storm, if you're broken, if you're hurting, we want to pray with you. We're here to pray with you. Josh is here. Dan is here. I'm here. Please come up and receive prayer. We're just going to worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. with 